Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another brand new episode of the Define University podcast. I'm so excited today. I have brought on a guest that I cannot wait to just talk shop with, just kind of unpack all the things. Um, Somebody that I have gotten to know, uh, we met in person in October, which was phenomenal. Um, Somebody that I I constantly look to for just, just, well, everything. I'm not even going to say just. Um, Motivation, ideas. And so without further ado, we're going to, we're going to jump right in and welcome CJ Reynolds to the podcast. Welcome, CJ. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for taking your nap time, uh, your children's nap time, and spending it with me to talk shop here. I appreciate it. Oh, I love it. I know it's the nap time hustle, right? I don't even love that word, but when it's nap time, it's it's the hustle is on, right? Because you never know. Sometimes I get twenty minutes. Sometimes we get two hours. So it's yeah, it's like a prep period, right? It's like yeah. someone going to come in and need something, or am I actually prepping? Um, yeah, it is. It it never changes um in school but in you know you'll see with your kids like i said you'll it kind of dwindles away and you're like man i didn't realize i didn't realize i needed that two hours so much in my life yes and this is actually different for me my first did not was not a napper so we were kind of used to like the no nap and so this one kelsey will nap for sometimes like two hours and i'm like this is phenomenal and so yes i have a feeling when it starts to go away i'm gonna be like wait i want that back (laughs) yeah yeah no it's a gift it is a gift it is like you know, we used to, we got too used to like watching TV shows and then in the middle of the afternoon, then we're like, wait, what are you doing up? I can't even watch my show now. Like this is important. We're in a pivotal moment. So. Oh, okay. I love it we so are. much. Um, Well, but thank you so much for coming on today. I'm, right. I'm so excited just to kind of dive into all the things. Um, Before we do that though, CJ, if people, um, you know, have not connected with you yet, which would, you know, floor me, but <laughs> you just give a little um, kind of intro into, you know, who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. Sure. Uh, so my name is CJ Reynolds. I am, uh, I live in right outside of Philadelphia. I taught in West Philadelphia for the last 17 years as a ninth grade English teacher. And I taught a class called the history of hip hop for about a decade. And other than that, I have a wife that I've been with uh, forever, forever, for, since high school and uh, two kids a dog, a cat, and an ever-growing household of uh, of animals is what I live in right now. Um, and I live a pretty pretty incredible life out here in, in, in Philly. I love it. And, you know, I think one of the things that I, I love about you, and it's right, you know, kind of in your name, right? It's that real component, right? Being real with kids. And I kind of want to start there because I think Something I hear from from a lot of educators is like the how, right? Like how real do I get, or how can I be real without kind of sharing all about myself? And and this is something I personally struggled with, you know, early on in my career. I taught kindergarten, first and second special education, and I really struggled with, you know, how do I connect with my younger students? We hear, right? Relationships are are the key. We know that connections are the piece, are are the thing, right? The glue that holds everything together. 
But when we talk about being real, can you kind of talk about like your process and that is it something that's always just come natural for you? Or if somebody is feeling like, do I share this? Do I not? Like, what if someone's kind of overthinking it? Because I am like in the overthinking club. And I know for a long time, I overthought things. Does that does that kind of make sense where to start? Absolutely. I, I think some of this is, it, I don't know if it comes naturally to me or if it's just something I've done for so long mm-hmm. and grew up with. So my house, I remember in fourth grade, uh, I got a phone call from my best friend, Dan Donahue. And Dan gets on the phone. He goes, hey, man, uh, is your mom there? I said, bro, what? What? And he goes, I need to ask her something. What? All right. Hold on. This is weird. And so I go and get my mom and she gets on the phone. It turns out Dan um, was really digging this girl, Nicole, in class and wasn't sure if he should. This is his real question. Should I drop flowers off on her front doorstep or not? And so... My mom has this whole conversation. I'm sitting there like, what, is, what in the world is going on? But then that turned into basically my life as, as a teenager was I would come home and my friends would just be hanging out at my house with my mom at any given moment. It didn't hurt that she cooked for them all the time, but like they would just be chopping it up. And this carried on through my life. And 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 the more I noticed it, the more that was kind of a thing in my family. And so I just kind of grew up with that of just never, even when we had when we had babies, we never did baby talk and no, no shade to folks to do it. But like, uh, cause I do, do, I do baby talk to my pets, but not to my humans. And so, um, it is just been this thing that I kind of grew up with. And I find that for in my experience of education, um, I can't teach people that I don't know. And so I have to know who kids are so that I can t- connect who you are to what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, you know, I think if I think back, I think the first time that happened was my first year of teaching. It was like the third or fourth, maybe beginning of the fourth quarter of the year. And a kid named Alton that just didn't do anything. He just like he was just a lump the whole year. Didn't do anything. Didn't participate. Was always actively like agitated and hated everything that we did. And um I remember talking to him because he he came to me and, and he was worried about his grade for the year. This whole like, oh my God, what am I going to do to pass? And it's like, but I don't, why are we having this conversation now? And what I learned was that Alton grew up in a house where he had mom and he had stepdad and stepdad he didn't get along with. Stepdad was kind of there for mom and not there so much for, for him. And he had a little sister as well. And uh, you could hear he got angry when he talked about his family situation. I said, well, what about like your sister? What, did you? Like, do you love your sister? And he goes, I would, I would die for my sister. And the question I've asked students for a long time, because I get that response a lot is, yeah, but would you live for her? And so what, what can maybe, what if school, like, cause if we play this right, you can live the life of your dreams. And what if the life of your dreams looks like I'm taking care of my sister? I have maybe an apartment with an extra room in case she wants to spend the weekend. I can take her to the movies. When she goes to college, I can buy her. Uh, all of her stuff for her dorm room or if she's in high school, get her like all the, the best and newest swag in the beginning of the year. It's like, can you picture actually living a life that isn't just about you, but is about her also? And sh- and you're filling in the gaps that your parents have often missed for you. And it was like a total shift in his whole mindset. Like now all of a sudden school, like who cares if you like my class or not, but is this a part of the game that's going to get you to where you need to go so you can win? And it became those kind of real conversations that helped me to really engage with students and really turn class into something that was like, this is an important part of your life. Here's why. And now let's go do it. Yeah, I think it's 
Oh, so much. Like, and it made me think of even like conversations I've had this year with students. And I think so much of it is just kind of planting that seed of something other than maybe what they saw for themselves or they see for themselves. And I think sometimes, and, and I think that's true of all of us, right? It's like we see through our lens and students see through their lens. And sometimes just holding that conversation of what is possible or allowing them to dream, allowing them to visualize, allowing them to imagine, I think is really hard for some of our students, right? And so I'm wondering, like, beyond like conversation, I know you've done a lot, you did a lot in your classroom specifically to evoke this, you know, sense of student strength and student voice and allowing your students to be real themselves. Um, can you touch on, you know, a couple of things that you've done to really allow that kind of inner strength in your students to to shine in your classroom? You know, there's a there's a line in a poem uh, by one of my favorite poets named Anis Mojgani. And uh, he has this line that says, this is for all the kids that are told to speak when spoken to and then are never spoken to. And I think that's often how kids exist, right? They are, be quiet, sit down. You know, if you're asked a question, answer. But this is, we're not just going to talk. We're not just going to, like, we're not here to just have fun, right? And and I think when we are thinking about that, it is, it's creating opportunity for kids to share who they are, what they think and what they feel. When we can create safe spaces in, out of our classrooms or, or out of our schools in general, for kids to be able to do that, you will be mesmerized by what you find out from kids. And so it could be very small ways. It could be things like, um, you know, we do a project in the beginning of the year that's called the Life Odyssey. And the kids have to share 10 moments from their life from birth until now that made them into the human being that they've become. And so this is really great. It's so fun because kids get to share who they are and not, it's it's like their choice, like what made you into who you are. So kids will share the basketball championships, the camp that they went away to, the vacation that they went on, but they also will share things like the time their parents got divorced, the time they lost a loved one, when their dog died, when they met their best friend, when they broke up with someone. And when you start finding this stuff out, you start seeing reasons as to how and why students, specific students like behave. Mm -hmm. And that you, you also know more than anyone else in the school. Cause this is all stuff that doesn't show up necessarily on a 504 or IEP or a parent intake form. So you're communicating with students and talking about this stuff and you're in the know. And so that starts it. And then I think the other thing is it is creating as many opportunities as possible for kids to just wonder. Right. Uh, Mr. Rogers used to say that our culture is so consumed with data and less consumed with wonder anymore. And when we can allow students to ask a question and you can put it, you know, and I realize, look, sometimes kids are just trying to get you off track. And uh, and but every once in a while, you know, like I had a kid last year, like I get the most ridiculous questions. And this is what happens when you start allowing this sort of thing to happen. The kids are like, Reynolds, is cereal soup? And I'm like, bro, what? what um and no and and like like do some research come back to me is a hot dog a sandwich um is water wet but that's one that was like oh wait a minute hold on we need to we need to find that one out is water wet and so i had to like call down the physics teacher and be like yo listen we i need uh you're the only person i can find we have this real question can you come down the last 10 minutes of class and so then class becomes, hey, look, this is what we got to do. But if we can get it done, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to blow your mind and answer is water wet by the end in the last 10 minutes of class. And so you're allowing kids to have these moments. This is a large reason we do journal entries every single day, 
right? I do want my kids to write, but I want them to write about things that they care about. So I make them tailored to those students that I have that year. Um, and then I think the other thing, you know, is, is just it's just giving kids space to just hang out, right? I eat lunch and, you know, people can enter into this at, at, at the rate that they're able to and that they want to. But twice a day, 30 kids in my room eating lunch. Um, it's an alternative to eating in the lunchroom. I have morning meetings every day about like as many different TV shows as there are on the night before. We have kids hanging in my room until I literally have to remove them by hand so I can go home and father my own children at the end of the day. But it's like, just when you start creating that space where kids belong and feel safe, it's like, it's magical. And you will, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a bug light is the only thing I can think of. It's like, you just start, your room starts to attract more and more kids because, and not just for you, but it's, this is a place where I can be who I am. This is a place I can be accepted. Yeah. And I think, I think that's so, so powerful. And I think what I love so much too, is the things you didn't mention, like it did, it didn't take any, you know, extra materials or it didn't, it wasn't like I had to go purchase this or I had to go do that. Cause I think sometimes that's what, you know, we hear these things or we see these things and it makes, we make this like automatic assumption, like, well, that means it must, I must have to do more. And, and that was, again, that was me, like early in my career, I would spend hours making things for my class and doing all this stuff. And I would spend hours making it for them to complete it in like 30 seconds. And I was like, this is not match. <laughs> this is not line up. And over time, I started to realize, no, it's, it's who I show up as. It's the energy that I bring into this space. And even this year, I got a huge whiteboard and you know, I use it when students come in because I'm, you know, even as an assistant principal, I am not like you sit down, we go over your referral and you leave. Like you come in, we catch up, we chat, we go through the referral, we do some skill building on the whiteboard. Like it is a full thing when, when you get, you know, when you come into my office and, but right on top, it's, you get to be you every day. And, and that quote kind of varies like each month, but it's always about something about being you. And I have kids like ask, they're like, why, why do you have that? I'm like, why do you think? Right. And we'll have these conversations about it because it doesn't come natural to them. It's they, they, it's not always something that they've heard. And I'm like, I'm not here to change you. I'm not trying to try to make you this person or that person. I want you to be the best version of you there is. Yeah. And I think it really, I love that you highlighted it. It's, it really is these like natural, authentic moments regardless of age, right? It's like, this works for little kids and it works for, you know, seniors. Um, and I, I just think that's so powerful in, it, it, it really is those small moments that truly have that that extraordinary value, right? Yeah, yeah, you're, I mean, I, one of the things I heard in there too is like, it is being mindful of your energy. Someone said um, one time, a quote I heard someone was, you are responsible to the energy you bring into any room. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think, especially lately uh it's like teachers feeling like they don't have enough energy and so it i think it does go back to not doing more it's just doing things differently yeah. so that you can show up and give kids the presence of your presence right and and, and so um yeah but that's a whole nother rabbit hole yeah no but i think it is it is important to to touch on it because i i get that from a lot of people like well can I not have a bad day then? Or, or do I have to yeah. fake it? And I'm like, no, nothing I said was ever about faking it, right? It's yeah. about being real. And so for me, I always go back to, right, emotion or energy. No, emotions are energy in motion, right? Mm -hmm. They're meant to be felt. They're meant to go through us. And so 
like, if you're frustrated, share that you're frustrated, like, and then share what you're going to do about it. You know, for me, it's always, if I've got something on my mind and, and I tend to wear it, like people can usually tell like my mood based on, you know, my, how I show up. And so I've had kids ask me like, Ooh, it's kind of been a rough morning, right? Mrs. Titus. And I'll say, yeah. And I'll say, and your comment makes me think I got to do my energy check-in. Like, and I model that for them. They're like, what's mm. that? I'm like, that's where I pause for a moment. And I check in with myself because I don't want you to see that. Like I, I got, that tells me I got to work through it. And so again, it kind of goes back to like, just be real with them. Like, let them know if someone calls me out on something. I'm like, oh yeah, thanks. Like keep, keep it, you know, keeping me accountable for those pieces. And I just think that's so powerful. It's not to say you can't be in a bad mood or you can't be having a rough day, but if you are, we've got to do ourselves, you know, justice to really unpack that and figure out why and figure out what's it going to take for me to see that light again or find that joy again. Um, if you've gotten in that place before, because I think every educator has at one point or another, what are some ways that you've kind of helped yourself or that you, you know, share with others to kind of like process that moment, but then refine that joy, if that makes sense? Yeah, for sure. I think that that's, you know, I would say on the front end, if you if you're struggling with that, allowing sharing your truth, right, what you're really going through in the moment and allowing students to show up with empathy is is what is a gift. Right. You're a kids are so used to, I think, like having folks feel sympathetic for them or empathetic for them. But then they're trying, you know, as adults are trying to be so stoic all the time and, and put on put on the mask and instead taking the mask off. And, you know, a few years ago, um, just before the pandemic hit, my grandmother passed away and I went into school and I was not feeling it. It was just like this was a hard one for me. She's my last grandparent alive. Both my parents passed when I was younger. And uh I remember the kids were like, are you good? Reynolds, you good? And I was like, no, I'm not. Like my grandmom passed away. And uh, I just remember, you know, so many of my students that work at all boys school, so many of my students um, were raised by mom or grandmom. So they, that was an immediate connection. But then just letting kids like feel bad for you, not letting those comments go by where someone goes, oh, I'm sorry to hear about that. It's like really taking that and letting them like, understanding that that's what they have to give mm -hmm. and so being being vulnerable to an extent right there are things there are times when like you know my wife had a miscarriage several years ago and uh, i went into school and told them that she had a medical emergency but i wasn't gonna like run it down and be like this is what happened um but you know for me it is one it's prepping right i have to go into the day prepared and so i get up very very early in the morning i run through a very specific um, like, I don't want to call it a regimen. It's more like, like I have a rhythm in the morning that if I run that rhythm and I just, I feel on fire when I come to school, right? So if I'm getting up early and I'm journaling and I'm meditating and I'm praying and I exercise and I am mindful of what I'm listening to on the way to school. So I'm not listening to the news ever. It will all be there for me later. Um, I'm not listening to the latest like murder mystery podcast. I am listening to stuff that's going to fill me up. Uh, could be a podcast, could be a playlist of songs that I am energized. So when I walk into the building, I feel like I'm on a, as close to 11 as possible. And that then I am because I can handle everything better when I feel like on fire. And so it is it, over the years, it's been like figuring out systems during the day to feel like that too. figuring out systems where, look, I, I just I don't hang out with anyone that just complains all the time. Is this like a rule I put in place for myself years ago? I will 
make an excuse. I will just quietly leave a room if I feel like this is going to turn into like a complaint session. Not to say that people can't have complaints. If if you're having a bad day, let's talk about it. Let's work on it. Let's 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 care for one another like that. But overall, uh, I'm just not I'm just not interested if it's a day to day thing. And so it's aligning myself with those people. It's aligning myself with um, like taking little breaks for myself. I drank uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee every single day because uh, it allowed me seven minute round trip to call my wife, check in, get some mediocre coffee and then go right back to school. And so it was like this great break. But I've known friends that have taken walks, that take runs. Um, I teach in West Philly. We don't really have can't really run anywhere. And if you do, there's nowhere to like shower when you come back. You'd be like in the parking lot with a hose. But um, it's trying to like create these moments for yourself going through the day. So you're sort of like sprinkling like breaks for yourself to just be able to fill back up during the day. Yeah, I think. And, and it's it, it, it's the one thing that kind of saved me it, were these energy check-ins. And they're so simple. They're literally just that. Like I would just pause for a moment, check in with myself and, you know, I had a, my own mental scale, right? If I'm like a one or a two, I'm going to do this. If I'm a four or five, I'm going to do this. And, mm. and you know, one of the questions I always get is like, how did you remember to do them? Right. And I'm like, put, I put notes in my phone. Like I put, you know, alarms in my phone and I would have my phone go off five times a day because I, it wasn't new to me yet. And so this was now my way of, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And now I just do them naturally because it's a part of my day because I've been doing them for a few years now, mm. but Again, I love, and what I'm hoping people are hearing is these are really small things, right? But they're small things that have these huge impact on the energy we bring or how our day is going and how we can stay in control. Because at the end of the day, that is what I can control, right? Is me. And we hear that. But I think sometimes when we go to implement it, it looks a little bit different, right? Yeah. Real quick, I've never heard of anyone else talk about putting it in their phone and setting alarms. Um, I do this all the time. I have this uh, use a habit tracker app called Habit Share. I'm not affiliated with them in any way, but um, it allows allows me to like look at what gives me energy through the day, like what things when I do them consistently over time help me to feel better, mm -hmm. and then I put them in my phone, and then I set alarms throughout the day where my my alarms are constantly going off, drives people crazy. But it's like, no, I can't remember otherwise until it becomes part of the rhythm. And there's 12 to 15 things that if I do them every day, some of them are very, very small uh, and, don't, and are kind of like borderline laughable. But it's like, I don't remember otherwise because there's too many things happening, especially teachers, right? We're talking about folks that make more decisions than a, than a uh, emergency room doctor during a day that you have to, it's, it's about finding that system that works for you. But I love, I've never heard anybody else talk about doing that. So- Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and I think too, the other piece that I, that I coach a lot on is have fun with it. Right. So yeah. people will often ask like, well, how did you know, you know, what to do for your energy? And I'm like, it's trial and error, right? It's, I would be feeling low. I would do something like, I don't know, get a cold glass of water. Right. And then I would check in, did that make my energy go up or down? And I, I started with a notebook, right. I would start with notes and, you know, I, I, I think even back in the day, I started with like a tracker. I made it all super formal it doesn't have to be that it can be literally a sheet of paper or your notes, you know, app in your phone, but it's just have that trial and error going, right? Just see what works, see what doesn't, and then just have fun with it, right? I think if we force it and make it this like another thing to do, mm. then it gets overwhelming. But if we allow ourselves to have fun in the process, I mean, I think all educators, we need a little bit more fun in our day. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, find those things that are going to make you laugh and are going to, 
you know, raise your energy to a little bit higher, right? I'm not looking to go from a one to a five, but if I can go from a one to a two and then a two to a three, then I'm going to be making those small shifts through my days, which I'm then going to have big gains from, right? Oh my gosh. That's so, yeah. That idea of it can be fun. And it's this idea of like, uh, we often tell folks, it's these small tweaks that lead to giant peaks that over time, you're just doing these little things. And most things that give you energy should be enjoyable. There are some that aren't like, like I hate running every day. I do it, but I can't every day I come in, my wife's like, how was your run? I'm like, it sucks. It sucks every day. Like I hate it, but I know that what energy comes to me from that. So, but I mean, I have a 20 minute period every day that I did for years in school. That was, I just thought of this, uh, Walt Disney quote, which, which was, to, he, they were often looking at Disney world to surprise and delight. And so that's what I was doing. It was going around messing with people, telling jokes, carrying on, talking to kids in the hallway, seeing if teachers needed something, just checking in with folks. Like it was 20 minutes of, hey, it was half a prep of me just going around and just loving people. And that makes you feel so much better. And then you go back to class after that, instead of just doing whatever else, you know, other tasks had to do. So things had to get pushed off. But but for 20 minutes, it was... It, it was a joy to do every single day and, and yeah. it totally gives you energy from that. Oh, I love it. I, I mean, you've already shared so much and I know you are a wealth of even more <laughs> knowledge and information. And I know um, one of the places you share a lot of that is your YouTube channel. And so I would love if you could just share a little bit about that, um, kind of where it started and, and what, because I think that's something that I know you're constantly, you know, putting into, and I would just love people to be able to connect with you on that. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out it's uh, it's a little weird to be a grown man with a YouTube channel. And um, my family still just wonders, like, what are you doing? What's even going on? What's happening? What is, how do you get paid from that? Um, but, you know, my son, about seven years ago, uh, my son has high-functioning autism, gets super focused on a thing. And I always wanted to be the dad that I always wanted, not necessarily the dad that I had. And so I got into it with him and started figuring it out. Like, how do I edit? How do I film? What are like best lights and best practices? And like most kids, you know, he actually hung in for a minute. Like we we were doing it together for about six months. And then he was like, this is too much work. Like I'm eight. I don't, I don't need to be doing this much work in my life. And so it kind of, his focus got fixed on something else. And I thought, well, I already learned how to do all this stuff. Like, I'm not going to just stop doing it now. So what what could I put out into the world um, that I know about? And there's, there's this is a pretty short list. And so I thought, what about stuff that I wish I knew as an educator when I started that I didn't know? And so because when I started teaching, there were blogs were just kind of starting to be a thing. I couldn't find anything I really, really gelled with. Uh, books existed, but like it, it was just I couldn't find something that fit me. So I just started creating stuff that I thought if other folks out there are anywhere near the kind of person I am, kind of personality, kind of weird, then what could we, what would I talk about? And, and that has just snowballed into, you know, we have, it's over 500 videos on there. We do a live feed every Sunday, live Q and a for teachers to come and ask questions in a safe space. And we're, you know, now trying to full time do this thing that. I did in the classroom, but now for teachers, how can we create dynamic, engaging, uh, empowering content that is going to take teachers that feel like they are at the end of their rope and let them know that they're one, not alone, and two, that they can do this. And here's how I think 
you might be able to move forward positively in this. So that that's kind of where it started. Oh, I love it. And I will make sure to uh, link that for sure in the show notes. So definitely make sure you, you check it out. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, when you started and I, I feel the same way, I'm, I'm, I think you're 17, it's 17 or 18. Um, you know, it's funny, I will look back and I, I remember my, my first year, first couple of years, my principal kept giving me the same book. That's the only book he would hand me. And I think it was called the tough kid book or something like, and I, it, mm. it just, it, it didn't work for me. Like, it's like, this is not helpful but there really weren't a ton of resources, right? Like it wasn't like it is now where I think we have a lot of resources, which is phenomenal um, because it is, it's it's what's going to work or this is my, this is the area. And I know that you yourself have written a book and I know that, you know, I would love for you to share a little bit about that and kind of what, um, you know, what, what inspired you on that? Because I do think there's educators out there that want to sh- uh, tell their story, right? That want to share things, but that, you know, if somebody's looking for more of this, you know, what is it that they'll find in your book? So, I mean, the book came about the same way a lot of things in my life do. Like, um, I think we have to care for people the ways that they ask us to care for them. So I don't try and ever figure out what my wife wants. I listen to what she says and then I do the thing because no one wants a dozen daffodils if your favorite flower is a, is a rose, right? This is like, nice try, but like, did you pay attention? Students are the same way, listening to how kids would love like what what could school look like what kinds of projects do you want to do do you even want to do projects do you like what what are you interested in bringing that into my lessons and then returning it and so in our business it's been no different you know folks asked for a live feed q a so we did the live feed q a they asked could you make this into a podcast yes could you create a facebook group so we can continue talking after this and then um we have you know, arguably, I would say the best teacher podcast on on Facebook and so or or, or Facebook group on Facebook. And so um, that has just led into all every video idea. I don't sit here and like try and come up with video ideas. Just listen to pay attention. What are people talking about? What do they need help with? And then we create it. And so the book was no different. And it was could you kind of like the YouTube world can feel so overwhelming. It's like, where do I start? Can someone put this into some sort of like sequential or like cut out all the all the extra stuff and just like how can you pare this down into something so um so created a book called teacher class off that is essentially um how i how i kind of like how i work through my class how i teach and the why behind that but then it's filled with stories of like this is how this works this isn't just theory like this is you know, when I start teaching hip hop, right, I realize who I am. Like I am, a, I am a 40 year old white man from New Jersey teaching the history of hip hop. But that's what I realized my students wanted. So I started connecting with all these different people in the neighborhood and bringing in DJs and MCs and entrepreneurs and folks that are in social justice world, like coming into my classroom. And I became this connector. Right. And so that's I think a lot of what education is. But it's like I, I wanted to share those stories so folks didn't have to feel like you have to be the one you just have to know someone that is and then connect them with students. And, um, it was, so it just became like this really, um, this resource that I just wish existed when I started teaching. Cause it's, it's real world teaching for folks, um, without any kind of sugarcoating it. It's the good, it's the bad, it's the really, really difficult. And it's all the beauty that kind of weaves all of that together. I, and I, I love that you brought up that that concept of being a connector, right? We don't have to do it all, right? And if that's our mindset, we're waking up overwhelmed every single day, right? And you're absolutely right. It's 
you know, remembering that, you know, I know what I know, right. And I know who I am and that's okay. Right. And that's enough. And if a student comes, you know, I even think right now, like I've got some students that come to me and I, I have no idea what, to, how to start with, with what they're bringing me, you know, I'm like, wow, I've never experienced that. And so we talk about it. I take notes, but it's, I don't, I, I used to get the sense of like, oh my gosh, I have to learn all this. So I know. And now I'm like, no, who do I know? Right. Who can I connect them with? Who can I say like, thank you for sharing that with me. Do I have your permission to go share this with this person? Cause I think they will be a great resource for you. And I think it's just a really good reminder. Like it's okay to not know all the things. And part of what I love about, you know, how, you know, there's a lot I don't love about social media. One of the things I do love is I'm now connected with, you know, amazing educators across the, the world, essentially. And so if I don't know, I, I absolutely, I'm sure I know somebody that knows. And so if, if you're listening and you're not connected, you know, online or, or in your building, wherever, like, to me, that's like a really great first step is just start getting connected and, and take the burden off yourself, right, of having to do it all. Absolutely. I mean, it is, there, there's a reason, you know, for, for all the nerds out there that uh, in Avengers Endgame, when Captain when Captain America says Avengers assemble, like everyone got goosebumps, right? You see, like anytime you're watching a movie or a TV show and everyone comes together, bands together for a common cause, whether it's the Goonies or or a Star Wars movie or whatever, that it is the beauty in the numbers. It's it's who you are surrounded by. It is teaching as a communal activity and not the solo venture. And it just it makes it more fun. It makes it more sustainable. It gives you someone to share your pain with, share your wins with. And it is, I think, the only way that it can really be done. But I would challenge educators too to like look outside of your classroom, right? It's the beauty of this online piece of knowing teachers from all over the place. The fact that we can even have this conversation right now, right? And and that is just going to add to your classroom because you feel like you don't have to know it all. You can just, as long as you know the person that knows the answer, it's just as good as you knowing it sometimes. And so it it is bringing all that in together, it, it makes, I just think it makes it more exciting and, and, and enjoyable as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I got one, I got one kind of final question slash thought. And, you know, so these episodes typically drop on Sundays, right? Which in the teaching world we know is, is the day, right? The Sunday scaries that I, I don't live by anymore because of the work I've done. You know, to me, Sunday is Sunday and Monday is Monday and Tuesday is Tuesday. But if somebody listening is, you know, in that mindset of trying to set their Sunday up for success, right? Set their week up for success. Is there something either that you do or you've done or any anything you would kind of share to get someone to, again, kind of increase that energy? We talked about, you talked about your morning rhythm, but is there anything you did specifically like Sunday afternoons or evenings to kind of set you for the week ahead? So I think there's two two different things, right? There's one is asking yourself, what if this was awesome, right? So I think sometimes we start creating lesson plans because we think, you know, fifth, fifth period is the worst every day. They hate everything. They're so apathetic and they never want to do anything fun. But looking at who those students are, not who you wish they were, who they are, and what if this was awesome and planning accordingly. I think the other thing is, you know, one of my mentors told me, uh, when I first started teaching that there's three kinds of kids. Kid one is the kid that everybody loves. Everybody wants in their class. They like love school. They did all the homework and a little bit of extra. And then there's kid three who is, uh, is very, they're either the kids that they're the kids that require attention, right? So maybe it's their behavior. Maybe it's their, um, social emotional needs, but they are, 
constantly and have a never ending um, ability to kind of take up time and energy and space in the classroom. And I don't mean that in any sort of bad way. That is just what they need. But then there's kid two, right? And I think kid two is a kid that slips through the cracks. Kid two is the, is the kid that feels invisible in school. And so if I want to get excited about going in on Monday, I know kid one's going to be there. They're going to be excited to see me. And they read the whole damn book over the weekend. Woohoo, man. And and kid three is always, those kids feel so good to help. Because when you do get through to them, it's so gratifying. And you you feel like you did something with your life. But I would challenge folks to look for kid two. That's a kid that thinks they're invisible. And I would just say, what if you could take that kid that thought they were invisible and let them know that they're visible? What if tomorrow you show up and you're looking for that quiet kid with the head down, with the head, uh, with the hoodie up and the AirPods in? And just letting them know that you see them, right? Like, yo, come talk to me about this sweatshirt. What kind of music are you listening to? How should we? No, come here real quick. Yo, if you could only eat one cereal for the rest of your life, what would you eat? It's asking kids like kind of questions that are easy enough to answer that they already have an answer to. But then how are you changing the course of that child's life just by acknowledging them? Um, and like I said earlier, like giving them the presence, the, the present of your presence. And, and so that makes me start shifting my mindset and thinking in a way where, no, I'm kind of stoked to go in tomorrow. Like, you know, and then you start building those connections over time. And I think that changes everything when you go to school. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. Thank you so much for sharing um, all, that, all that you did. Um, if people are not yet connected with you, CJ, and um, want to, what is the best place for them to, to go? Uh, well, you could Google Reynolds and you'll find my cousin, Ryan. Um, and that's what my son says. Uh, but uh Real Rap with Reynolds, uh, you can just Google it, go to YouTube or realrapwithreynolds.com. You'll find everything there. Um, yeah. Awesome. And I will, everything will be linked in the show notes. Um, so just check those out, um, but make sure you are connected with CJ. Um, you, you will not, <laughs> you will not regret it. I can guarantee that. So thank you so much for um, joining me on this Sunday afternoon. Um, and uh, I really appreciate all that you're doing for, for the field. I, I say the same thing back to you. Thank you very much for what you're doing. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right, everybody. I will see you next week for a brand new episode. Until then, keep on loving who you are, owning who you are, trusting in who you are. Those will help you define who you are each and every day. You guys have an awesome week and I'll see you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. We will see you on the next episode.